Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey-West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today we are reviewing the new movie, Air, directed by Ben Affleck, starring Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Jason Bateman, Chris Tucker, to name a few, Viola Davis also in this movie. And this is a story about how Nike acquired Michael Jordan and did a shoe deal with him. So that is what we will be talking about today. Sports-related movie here on the show. You know, I love my sports movies. It's so Jared's we'll, favorite. You guys, we'll, this is like <laughs> when we cover a movie about fashion or journalism, and I just <laughs> lose my mind. This is for Jared. Yeah, I do like journalism movies as well, but sports, sci-fi, those are definitely two, two top categories yeah. for me. So, But I really liked this movie and I also love Michael Jordan. So I was pretty pumped about this film myself. So we will talk about air in just a few minutes, but first we have some news items. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is romantically Listen, involved with Kylie Jenner, possibly Jared. If this is real, I, you know what I did the other day? I was working from home that day, got a news alert on my phone because you know, that's important news. And I walked into Arjun and I was like, if this is factual, like I am done. I will have to quit my job for today. I need to go lay down. I need a cold compress. I know I'm being dramatic, but like that will disturb me for a very long time if it's factual. Yeah, you know, Timothy Chalamet is working on the Wonka movie, working on the next Dune, <laughs> and he's like, let's go after Kylie Jenner, I guess. But so. why? But why? Yeah, Timmy that is really... have anyone. Yeah, that is an interesting pairing for sure. So... Gross. This article yeah. I read said they've been dating since January. So. You know what? There's been rumors since January. I'll tell you that because okay. people he's been they've been around the same. They've been like at the same island, hmm. things like that. You know, very Hollywood stuff. Hollywood yeah. shiz, if you will. Um, this, I love that, this... too. Like they were at the same island. Oh, yeah. Me and Jared, too. Like we were just, <laughs> just hanging. hopping around those islands. You know us on a Tuesday. But I just hope it's not true. Um, mm-hmm. But the other that that one upset me so much more than the Harry Styles rumor. But the fact this Harry Styles Imrata rumor is gaining traction. And somebody said that she said they've been together since February. And I was like, you better not. But I'll tell you what, Timothy Chalamet getting with Kylie Jenner will upset me a lot more than Harry Styles. Yeah, this New York Post article, I didn't read it. This is the headline. Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet's Zodiac signs signal hot romance. Well, so. you know, Timmy and I are the same Zodiac sign because we were born a day <laughs> apart, just different years. So I don't know what Kylie is, but I'll I'll look in this article for you. Timmy is a uh, Capricorn, as am I. Yes. Couldn't and tell you I anything about Kylie. Kylie I don't want to know anything about Kylie. I know all uh, I need Kylie to know. is a Leo, so born in august so oh leo's are that's a strong sign that is a strong sign that's what that article yep. said so um other news items uh taylor swift and joe allen have called it quits after six years uh didn't really see this one coming either kind of a shocker Jared, you were so calm with that week. news <laughs> Jared, like when i saw that headline i like audibly gasped and like set down the phone because i i didn't i thought oh, this can't be real Mm-hmm. We, we, as in all the Swifties and the half Swifties, because I'm a half Swiftie, I thought that they had secretly married, that they were like secretly at least engaged, and now they're broken up, and she's changed some of the songs for her set list for the concerts. It's really Oh, sad. has she? Okay. Yes. So she was doing Invisible String, mm-hmm. and now she's changed it to The One. 
Okay. Uh, I mean, stab me in the heart, I, metaphorically. It's just so sad. And the one, that's one of my favorite, favorite, favorite songs she's ever done. But it's devastating now to think of her singing that while thinking about Joe. So, sad day for Taylor Swift and it Joe It is Allen. a sad day, Jared. The Swifties are in mourning. But, um, but Jared, in happy news, did you hear about Hillary Swank having her twins at age 48 and she had a boy and a girl? Shout out, boy, girl, twins. <laughs> Shout out to Hillary that? Swank. That, Listen, that's great. We love you know? twins. Yeah. Yep. Yep. We're pro Love a twin. Tr- pro twin podcast here. Definitely. So. Definitely. Um, but boy, girl, twins, especially. Also, not naming names. Someone did ask me this week if Sean and I were identical. And I was like, yeah. nope, still not. Still not. He's a boy. I'm a girl. Still not. <laughs> but and you know what? If people are wondering on this podcast, just so you know, boy, girl, twins cannot be identical if you are unclear on that. They are fraternal. So. Yep. Cannot yep. be identical. Yeah. Different parts. Can't do it. True that. So yeah. there's there's your health lesson. For but congrats, today. Hillary Swank. She's giving women hope everywhere. Forty eight years old. It's awesome. Amazing. So that's a modern marvel, is what that it is. It really is, honestly. So yeah. Uh no corrections this week. On to recommendations. I have two. I finished uh, the book Carrie Soto is Back by Taylor Jenkins Reid Sports Book. So I thought I would mention on this sports centric podcast. Very clever. How was it? I have to read it that. Was, it was pretty good. Um, okay. I did okay. not like now. I have not read all of Taylor Jenkins Reid's books, but I know she's very popular. Mm-hmm. I have read Malibu Rising and I thought yes. Malibu Rising was better than Carrie Soto is Back. So, okay. Um, I thought okay. the book, the it's about a tennis player, Carrie Soto, um, and her like return to dominance, basically. But I thought the tennis matches were not really super well written. They were just like very short and didn't really build a lot of drama up. And the book is also like insanely predictable. Like once you get through half of it, you kind of know what's going to happen at the well, end. Well, don't tell so. me. I won't, but you'll you you can see it going a certain way, and then it goes exactly in the way that you okay. expect. So that knocks it down a little bit for me, but not bad. Like easy read, didn't take that long to read it. So um, okay. also another recommend is on the Bill Simmons podcast. He had Matt Damon and Ben Affleck on um, to promote this movie, but they did not talk about this movie that much. They talked about a lot of other things, which were very interesting. They talked about forming their production company and how they're trying to work on that and which Actors kind of equity. movies, yeah, movies yeah. to work on and movies to finance and things like that. So that was interesting. If you want some behind the scenes of the business type, uh, news. And then they also talked about, I thought this was interesting how, Sometimes you get you get fame and you get attention, but you don't really want it. Like Ben talked about how he's obviously been in the tabloids and his, his younger days was in the tabloids a ton. Right. And that was like that was never really a problem for me because I just married somebody outside of the business and was yeah. never was never really in the Hollywood spotlight. So that was interesting to hear. And then also they talk about one point two how Matt Damon's career was really at like its highest peak when he was doing the Bourne movies. But at that same time, Ben Affleck was kind of at his lowest doing not really any movies that were super duper popular. Um, So that was interesting to hear, too, how they, you know, they're very good friends. And so they're talking about their friendship and how they were trying to 
help each other get through that. And, and, and it's about an hour, hour, 15 minute conversation that they have with Bill Simmons. And then the last 15 minutes, they talk about the movie just to get that in there. But it was interesting. And they really, they really opened up. It was pretty candid, authentic conversation, I thought, which I thought was, you just don't get that a ton from celebrities. So it was a, it was a compelling listen. So I love hearing those two talk, and I, mm-hmm. I've talked about it on the podcast. The Boston accent is one of my favorite things in this entire <laughs> world. I would pick the Boston accent over so many other accents. But uh, obviously, I am, I'm a Matt Damon stan, for sure, out of the two of them. I will say, I do feel bad for Ben Affleck, and like people should be able to live their lives however they want to. But Ben has attracted some of that attention himself. He's, he's dated high-profile people. He's had some drunken altercations. He had a cardboard cutout of Ana de Armas that he threw out in the recycling bin in his front yard. I mean, he's brought some things on himself Mm -hmm. as far as just like, you know, fodder for the paparazzi. I'm not saying it's right what the paparazzi are doing. Um, But I love their friendship. And I I do think they're both really good guys. So that's cool. What a great recommendation. Thank you. Um, For me, I have one recommendation that's a book, um, The Love Quotient by Helen Huang. Um, this is, this was her first book. This came out a couple years ago. I think this came out in 2018. So it's like five years old at this point. I had not read it. It was rated really highly on Goodreads. It was rated really highly on book of the month. And I got it as an add on for book of the month, um, for April. And I've already read it. I read it in two days, loved it. And what I really like about Helen Huang is she has a form of autism so she is on that spectrum and she was diagnosed later in life. I mean, she's in her like thirties now, but she didn't realize until she was an adult was not diagnosed with autism. And then she thinks her daughter has it as well. And every book that she writes, which I've read, I think I've read two or three of her books. She has a character that has is on some sort of spectrum, but it's really cool because she writes about it in such an approachable way where if you're someone who has friends that have autism or something similar, which I do. It's really cool to see the perspective of like how that person thinks inside, um, how they internalize different conflicts and things, and then how they deal with conflict and communication on the outside within like social situations. She's just as a beautiful writer. I will say this book was quite steamy. Um, the whole premise is basically that this woman wants to learn how to date and she hires an escort. Um, okay. It's actually, it reminded me a lot of younger people but the uh good luck to you leo grant it was very similar to that movie actually um but it was a delightful read a very heartwarming um yeah i'd recommend that to anyone if if you can read a steamy romance um comedy like that and then i did want to tell you i finished peaky blinders i finished the entire thing all six seasons and it took less than a month I couldn't stop. I mean, once I started, I was like, wow, we're in it now. But (laughs) as I mentioned on a different episode of the podcast, it's only there's only six episodes a season. There's only six seasons. You're talking 36 episodes total. Um, I did like the way it ended. I won't ruin anything about it. I had a few questions and a few things I would have changed, but I wasn't angry at the ending. Um, But dang, Killian Murphy, he is fantastic in that that show so if anybody's interested peaky blinders all of them are on netflix very nice so that's our recommends for this episode so now we'll get into our review of air released on april 5th rated r for language and primarily just language there is a lot of language in this movie um so just be aware of that if that upsets you or offends you at all um runtime is an hour and 51 minutes or an hour 52 minutes 
Very close to each other, though. Um, that's pretty much the, the exact same. IMDb is uh, 7.8 out of 10. And then Rotten Tomatoes critics, 92%. Audience, 98%. Only two people that have seen this did not like it. 2%, I guess. But, you know, that's a very small percentage of people that have not enjoyed air. So Yeah, people are loving this movie. And that was scores yes. as of yesterday. So box office-wise... Uh, it hasn't done amazing domestically. Twenty million dollars worldwide. Thirty million dollars came out the same weekend as Mario. Isn't and Mario that crazy? Crushed at the box office. So, but isn't that insane? I saw those numbers and I was like, that can't be right. And I think it's right. Yeah, I was expecting this to be around the forty, fifty, sixty million dollar range, maybe yeah. because it's got so many big names in it. Um, but it it might have some decent some decent run as it's in theaters longer. It's also maybe not one that you necessarily need to go see in theaters. I think it would work, you know, if you watch it on your TV at home, it's going to play fine. So that yeah. could be fact. Maybe people are just like, "Oh, catch it when it comes to streaming." I don't know, but did not did not do amazing at the box office. So Synopsis for this one is it follows the history of shoe salesman Sonny Vaccaro and how he led Nike in its pursuit of the greatest athlete in the history of basketball, Michael Jordan. And this movie is directed by Ben Affleck. Uh, he's obviously acted in a bunch, but he's directed a bunch of movies as well, including Gone Baby Gone, The Town, and Argo. And he won two Oscars, one in 1998 for Best Screenplay for Goodwill Hunting. And then he also won in 2013 for Best Director for Argo. That movie also won Best Picture, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't think it did. Did it not? Okay. Because he would have won an Oscar for that. That is true. Uh, it did win Best Picture in 2013. <gasps> so I guess why did I guess he has did, was an he not Oscar a for that as well? Um, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, that is so weird because here. on IMDb yeah. it didn't put that, and I was like, oh, I wonder if that was the year where because some years you know you have a director win and Best Picture doesn't win. It seldom happens, but it happens with the Oscars. Mm -hmm. Weird. Although IMDb has changed some of their formatting lately, so that could have been yeah. My it looks like he he was a producer on that movie along with George Clooney, so he should have got an Oscar for winning Best Picture. Um, so yeah. maybe he has well, multiple ones sitting at home. Not sure. Sorry, everyone. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, he will direct Witness for the Prosecution and Keeper of the Lost Cities. And we'll take a quick break here on the show. We'll come back. We'll talk about the cast for this one and our likes and dislikes for air. And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about air. In the lead role is Mr. Matt Damon as Sonny Vaccaro. Thank you so much, Jared. First, I do want to say over the commercial break, I did look up if you like just Google how many Oscars does Ben Affleck have? It says two. I don't understand this, um, but it says two. Wait, okay. wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> if you click on. Everyone, I'm so, I'm just I'm shooketh to my core here. <laughs> we have. OK, now this says this is weird. This says he has one for best picture and this okay. other one says best writing. Okay. But I hmm. thought it was for director for Argo. Let's so see. I don't know who's wrong here. If you can investigate it, Jared, I would greatly appreciate um, it. So he did not win for best director. Ang Lee won <gasps> for best director that year for life of Pi. So uh -huh. he does have two Oscars. Okay. One for best picture, one for writing. Everyone, so. I'm so sorry. Also, I think, does IMDb have that wrong then? 
They might. Yeah. If it says he won for best director, he did not win for best okay. director in 2013. So I'm going to double check that. We should write to them. Um, <laughs> also, did you see there was a one minute discrepancy on this film um, for minutes like the runtime? I did. Um, yes. Okay. So sorry, everyone. I didn't mean to, to waylay this. Uh, it's loading here so I can double check this. But okay. Now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense because I remember that your people were in an uproar. Because they thought he did such a good job with Argo. But that's the best right. picture yeah. one. That's right. That definitely sounds correct. Okay. So everyone, um, IMDB is not wrong. This is called human error. Uh, and the error is me. The human is me. Um, so I just wrote it wrong. My apologies. I wanted him to invest director, I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, Jared, that crush alert button, could you please um, lay on that for a second for Matt Damon? <laughs> Thank you. I mean, he's no Chris Pine, but I do love Matt Damon very, very much. Also, peak hotness for him is Goodwill Hunting, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Matt in this movie plays Sonny Vaccaro. He is, of course, best known for Goodwill Hunting, The Martian, The Departed, The Talented Mr. Ripley, Stillwater, Ford vs. Ferrari, and The Born Identity franchise. He's been nominated for five Oscars, and in 1998, he also won the Best Screenplay Oscar alongside Ben Affleck for Goodwill Hunting. He has three upcoming projects, including The King of Oil, The Instigators, and Oppenheimer, which I am very, very, very excited about. Yes, pumped for Oppenheimer, so... Next, we have Chris Tucker. Haven't heard from him in a while. He is so good in this film. He plays Howard White. Chris Tucker is originally from Atlanta, Georgia. He is best known for Rush Hour, Rush Hour 2, Rush Hour 3, Money Talks, and Silver Linings Playbook. At one time, I didn't realize this, but at one time, he was the highest paid actor in Hollywood. He is still very active in stand-up comedy. He's been doing a lot more stand-up comedy than movies in the last decade or so. But next up, it says he will star in Rush Hour 4. Huh. Okay. Very so cool. they must be doing another one. Um, lastly, we have uh, the incomparable Viola Davis playing Dolores Jordan. Um, word on the street is that the, and Ben Affleck said this, that the only request Michael Jordan had was that Viola Davis play his mother in this film. She is, of course, a revered actress and now EGOT winner, known for The Help, Suicide Squad, Widows, Fences, and The Woman King. She's been nominated for four acting Oscars for Doubt, The Help, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and in 2017, she won Best Supporting Actress for her role in Fences. She already has six upcoming projects listed, including an untitled Harriet Tubman project, Operation Othello, and The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Interesting. And this movie has a fantastic, fantastic supporting cast. It was very hard for me to pick and choose who to highlight. Uh, but this movie is also starring Jason Bateman, Ben Affleck, Julius Tenen. I'll come back to that in a moment. Chris Messina, Damian Delano Young, who plays Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, and Marlon Wayans. Who is looking, can we just take a moment? Marlon Wayans is looking so good. He is <laughs> aging like a bottle of fine wine. I like gasp when I saw him uh, during this movie. <laughs> Woo, so good. Okay. Um, my fun fact, Julius Tenen, I did not have to look this up. I did the fact check, but I knew this in my little memory bank. That is Viola Davis's husband in real life. They have been married since 2003. 
So it's cute that they got to play Mr. and Mrs. Jordan in this movie. Yeah, that's very cool. So um, some likes for this movie. First up, big like is this is an hour and 50 minutes. This is very well paced. At no point was I bored or thought it was slow or it was like, you should cut this. Never had that thought during this movie. I was just like, this movie knows the story it wants to tell. It knows exactly how long it's going to take to tell that story. And here it is, like with no no fat, really. It's very nicely edited, trimmed, just really good length. Couldn't agree more. The movies that don't need to be eight hours long include action movies, sports movies, and comedies. They don't need to be hours and hours and hours long. Please stop doing it, Hollywood. And kudos to Ben Affleck and everyone involved in the editing process in this film. It was so well done. I cannot say enough good things about how reasonable the length was for the film and the pacing. And I'm with you, Jared. There wasn't a single moment where I lost my train of thought and like left the movie. Um, There wasn't a single time I wasn't interested in the film. I was engaged from beginning to end. Uh, another like as well is that it's uplifting and it's heartwarming and you wrote exactly what you expect it to be. I would agree a hundred percent. Um, you know, this is a movie about Nike getting a shoe deal with Michael Jordan. Here's the thing. We all know what the result of the movie is going to be before we go in, because we know that this happened. We know they're still making Jordan shoes today. NBA players still wear Jordan brand shoes. We know that this, this, there's no like drama here as to what might actually happen possibly um in terms of the result so i think the movie understands that ben affleck knows that knows that you know that and uh (laughs) overall just just a really it was an uplifting and and kind of heartwarming movie uh for sure i had to look what movie we saw recently that made me feel the same way and it was creed 3 creed 3 we said the same thing it was a movie that every expectation you have it's in this film it's exactly what you want it to be. It's interesting from beginning to end. It gives the people what they want. I think Air also, uh, there now there is some language. So I wouldn't quite say this is a family film mm-hmm. for everybody. Yeah. But I do think mind, uh, take out the language or if it's if you're of an age where that's completely fine. I think this is a great family film. I think men and women would love this. Um, just, uh, it was just so delightful. It was exactly what I wanted. And sometimes just like books too, there are times where all I want is to just finish a book or finish a movie and just feel great about everything, feel hopeful and optimistic and happy about the world. And this movie did that for me. Um, another like that I had as well for this movie is that I think it's got some, some core things, um, that are really like just positive things to to focus on like this movie is about taking risks and that's a big part of the movie is like hey we're gonna take this risk we're gonna try to do it it might not work out but if it does it's gonna be awesome for us so and matt damon goes through a lot of adversity in the movie getting told no a lot but still powers on to try and to try and get this done ultimately does get it done in the end so and i also thought it was it was interesting too because it kind of touches on name, image, and likeness as well, which is a big thing in college athletics right now in terms of athletes being able to get paid for their for their name and their, their brand. Um, and this movie has a little bit to say about that as well. So I liked that because it kind of took sort of an older story that happened a while ago, but updated it and brought in some current day things that are happening into the, into the story as well. 
Yes. And something I think uh, that this movie touched on is the value of good parenting and especially moms. Not at all. His dad sounded really wonderful. Like the whole the whole death of his father is such a tragedy to this day. But Dolores Jordan, that is the kind of mom you want in your corner. Just unbelievable um, strength and and optimism in her son and advocated for him. And that's what you want. Uh, I think if you're a child, that's what you want your parents to be. And if you're a parent, you want the best for your children. And Dolores is so responsible for that likeness conversation that Jared was talking about and saying, Michael should get a percentage of every shoe that's ever made. You're using his likeness. And then when Nike fought back and said, no one's doing that, then everybody's going to want it. And it changed the game. And it should have because because he should get those proceeds. And I mean, he does make, I think, didn't they say $400 million a year he gets just from shoes to yeah, this day? Yeah, and he doesn't, he doesn't really even have to do anything for no, that. No, he just... doesn't have to do anything for the rest <laughs> of his life. He's just sitting at home making $400 million because of shoes. But honestly, that's because his mom advocated for him. Um, so you know what? I, I, that's, that's a boss move. Um, for me, I wanted to point out this movie to me, I just kept thinking nostalgia. This is a perfect film, I think, for my age group, because especially I wish I could have seen this with my brother, because I've mentioned before, we were obsessed with Space Jam. We thought Space Jam was like the movie to end all movies because Michael was in it. Charles Barkley was in it. The Looney Tunes. It had everything you wanted. We were there at the perfect time. And I there was so much in the film from the 80s that I know about that I either remember or I know about. And I wasn't alive in 84, but there was the music and everything, the cassette tapes, the car phones. I remember that becoming a big thing. There's so much of this that I think if people are in their early 30s or very, very late 20s, I think this movie is really going to be special for you from that perspective as well. Um, I also liked that this movie was funny in a lot of parts. I mean, Matt Damon is a very charismatic actor, and they use that to their advantage in this film. Ben Affleck is playing Phil Knight, the owner, CEO of Nike, who is an odd dude. Um, and I thought that Ben Affleck kind of captured that pretty well. Also, in the fact of with his crazy outfits and his feet, you know, his bare feet up on the desk, which you see at the end of the movie that that was a thing that Phil Knight did all the time um and just his like his you know his thoughts on buddhism and just he was he's just kind of an interesting dude so i thought ben affleck did a nice job with that and i thought jason bateman did a, did a good job in this movie too mm -hmm. i especially liked there's there's some really good one-on-one -on -one scenes in this movie one of them that stood out to me was the jason bateman matt damon scene where divorce. they're the divorce yeah jason scene. bateman's talking yes. about seeing his daughter and bringing shoes to her and trying to keep that closeness together. I thought that was a very touching scene in this, you know, kind of kind of fast-paced movie. It slows down for a couple of minutes yeah. and you get to you get to hear that. And then I thought the Viola Davis Matt Damon scene the first time yes. that they meet is also a very very well acted well-written scene. scene. So, some really good scenes one-on-one -on -one with actors that just know exactly what they're doing so yeah you're right jared there were some beautiful acting moments in this film like because i i mean this movie sure you know how it's going to end up you got cute jokes funny sayings there's some <laughs> swearing there's some like eccentric bosses like phil knight but there was some beautiful acting viola davis is someone especially in that scene i think of the word grounded she is an actor that is she's never in a rush to get to the end of the scene she is not going to make you feel like you're 
rush to get to the end of a scene, but she gets out everything she needs to say and she does it beautifully. And then that scene with Matt Damon and Jason Bateman, I agree with you. I was very touched by that scene, especially knowing people who are going through the process of divorce now or have divorced and that battle with kids and also where did I go wrong and how to navigate those situations. And I thought what was beautiful too in that scene was Matt Damon's character having humility and saying, I'm sorry that he's gotten carried away with his job and drag some other Mm -hmm. people into this dream. Um, And he's also lost sight of other people have lives outside of this darn shoe um, and they have other things going on. And I thought it was beautiful that he still remembered that it was his friend's birthday too. So you, yeah, we've touched on two of the best scenes I think in the entire film. Um, another thing I really liked about it. Well, I, cause you talked about Ben Affleck. I thought Ben was very good in this role, but I do think, I just always want to mention, I think Ben Affleck is a great director. I love him as a director. I think he does an astounding job. I think he is a much better director than an actor. He's a fine actor, but if, if, not even just comparing the two, but for, for this sake, we will. I think Matt Damon is a superb actor. And I think Ben Affleck, his qualities and strengths lie in directing. Yeah, I think uh, I think he is a really, really good director for sure. Um, and it, I, th- I think he can do both well, which is hard to do. But like you said, with this and with Argo and uh, The Town, which he also directed, I think those are just really well-directed movies. So he's definitely good behind the camera. Um, another like that I had is I really liked the set design in this movie. I thought the office, the Nike office looked very eighties. Um, I was not alive in the eighties, but you know, you, you've heard things, you see pictures, all that stuff. And I thought with the, with the wild carpet and like the neon Nike sign and how their offices were laid out. I just thought it really captured that time period very well. And obviously this is a movie that wasn't made on a huge budget. So you have to keep that in mind. Uh, But I thought they, they said, you know, we're going to use this space a lot. So we're going to try to deck this out as much as possible. Cause a lot of it does take place in that, in that office, especially on that one floor where all of these people work. So, you know, the eighties is so interesting too, because it's weird. There's so many things people also hated about the eighties as far as like AIDS getting really bad, the Coke epidemic getting really bad. There was a lot about the 80s to not like. There was a lot of excess and bad crap. However, it's weird that people have such an affinity for the 80s, the fashion, the makeup, the cars, the music. So it is, it's funny because I feel like we hear more about the 80s than we do any other decade in the last century, 60s, 50s, 40s, etc. Maybe the 20s. I think the 20s might rival the 80s, but I feel like we hear about the 80s. But I was so impressed with the set design too. I couldn't believe, I mean, I don't want to call them artifacts, props. The props were incredible, like how they found old car phones, desk phones, different shoes and things. And some of the fashion was just so bad. (laughs) And Matt Damon, I, again, like he's, he's aging, but he's a good looking dude, but man, he looked bad in this film. It was so rough. I was like, can we get Goodwill hunting back, please? Um, anyway, I thought that was great. And then another thing I wanted to highlight, I really liked the music. Um, a weird, this is kind of like a tidbit. So the movie blister in the sun plays at the beginning, and I could not believe that movie, that song was done in the 80s. I thought for sure that was like a 2005 song. It is from <laughs> 1983. Can you believe that? That's wild. So That's crazy. I thought that yeah. was a fairly recent song. 
I thought it was from like maybe really, the nineties, but not yeah. But the it really 80s, threw me. Yeah. I looked it up today because I was like, there is no way that song's from the eighties. It was because I thought, what a weird choice to pick that song and it not be an eighties song. But it is an eighties song. Crazy. Yeah, the music is great in this. They use just a lot of you know songs from that decade, like you said, Katie, and they all fit very well. I really enjoyed the the music in this movie. It definitely sets the mood at times to keep it fun and and lighthearted and to kind of see what they're see what they're dealing with. So, I also liked the the drama at the end of the movie. Um, you know, you know that the shoe deal is going to get done, but you don't know maybe if you haven't researched it going in that Viola Davis wants the, you know, the percentage of every shoe goes back to Michael because it's using his name and his his brand. So, there's a little bit of a debate with that in terms of Matt Damon having to go to Ben Affleck and saying, can we do this? Should we do this? Ben Affleck saying, yeah, go ahead and close the deal. And then, you know, there's a there's a great moment of elation there at the end when they do land the deal and finally get it done. And I really liked like Jason Bateman in that scene, I thought was really good because he like comes out of his office, not knowing really what's going on. And then, you know, runs over to Matt Damon and is like, did we, did we get it? And then, you know, they have a nice moment there too. So thought that there, there was some drama added at the end of the movie, which even though it's a predictable story was, was kind of nice to see. So I liked that too. I especially liked how Matt Damon's character, Sonny spoke to Dolores Jordan. Um, and I liked how she spoke to him. It felt like they were on even, footing even though they were different races and different genders it was really nice to see how he he talked to her like a person even though he was conducting business and she did the same she didn't pull a i'm a mom card she didn't say Mm -hmm. we don't come from money she didn't there was none of that from either of them it was so 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 impressive um but anyway i i loved that conversation too and my last like i wanted to mention was that um, I've mentioned this on other episodes. I really like when end credits give historical facts and pictures of real people. I think that that also demonstrated in this movie how closely aligned everybody looked to the characters, which was wild. Um, I did think it was really sad that Pete, the guy that designed the shoe, that he died a month before they announced the production of this film. Mm -hmm. So he didn't know. Um, And then I was in awe. I could not believe Marlon Wayne's character really had the I have a dream speech. I could not believe that was real (laughs) that he had, I forget the character's name, but he apparently talked to Martin Luther King Jr. on the day that he delivered that speech. And he turned down a $3 million offer for that piece of paper so he could keep it. I thought first, I was like, Oh, that's a made up story. It's true. (laughs) But I, I really liked the end credits. I I think they did it again. It was just like, it was really good from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we didn't really talk a lot about Chris Tucker either, but he was really good in his role too. Again, someone yes. who's not in a ton of movies nowadays, um, but he played his role really great too uh, as one of the the leaders there at Nike. Um, so that was that was good too to to see him in a movie and that he fit in so well with this cast also. So. Okay, um, I guess we'll move on to dislikes real quick before we wrap things up. I don't have a lot of dislikes. Um, I, I will say, what did you think of the decision... And this was this is not really a like or a dislike, but the actor who plays Michael Jordan in the film, they never show his face. And Ben Affleck said that that was a conscious decision because yes. he's, you know, he said, you know what Michael Jordan looks like. So if I show you yeah. that guy, you're going to know that that's immediately not Michael Jordan. So I thought that was fine. I thought it was it was you know understandable that that is Michael and he's acting as Michael in these scenes. So I kind of like that decision to not show. I thought it 
kept you in the movie more by not showing his face. I agree. I swear I knew you were going to ask this conversation because this this question. I thought about it while I was doing the notes um, because I mentioned the actor that played him, but we never see the actor except the back of his head. I thought that was a good decision. I, I don't know that I would have worded it the way Ben Affleck did, but I think that's right. We do know Michael Jordan. And this movie really isn't totally about Michael Jordan. It's it's about how this changed the industry. Like you said, it's about using someone's likeness and their brand. It's about parents advocating for their children. Um, and we know enough about Michael Jordan. We don't really need to know more. You know what I mean? Like we already know a lot. Um, and we learn a lot about him without seeing his face. And I think that at some point in the movie, if we would have seen his face like an hour and a half in, it would have been too little too late. So I agree with the choice to not show his face. And I liked that. Um, dislikes for this movie, not a ton. Um, obviously this is not a women focused story, although it does have a strong woman in it in Viola Davis playing Michael Jordan's mother, but it's not, it's not really women centric. She's the only woman in the film, uh, throughout the whole movie. Except for the hot secretaries. Yeah. (laughs) Who get ogled by the creepers in the office. Uh, Yeah. I, then. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say what if you had anything to say about that. So, well, that I I told Jared I had trouble coming up with dislikes for this film. I really did. Um, I was kind of scratching my head about it. I I can't really dock at points. I can't dock at points for not having women when women were not central to the story at that time. But I am. I did. I want to bring it up. I don't want to be a broken record to people, but I just want to point that out because we keep getting movies, these blockbuster movies, these feel good movies, and there's like no women to be seen. And I think that that's just an overall message that I think is important to to grasp about about our culture and kind of observe. So I want to point it out whenever I can point it out. But I I don't think it's the fault of the movie itself mm-hmm. for that. Uh, yeah, I can't really think of any other dislikes. Like we said, very well paced, well edited, interesting yep. story, good acting, good script. Yep. It's kind of all you need for a for a good movie. So it does. Uh, yeah. I left the theater thoroughly entertained, was happy that it was under two hours, would definitely watch it again probably at some point, not super soon, but you know, in like three or four years, if this is on HBO and I'm scrolling through, I was like, oh yeah, that was a great movie. So, you know, it definitely, I think has some of that rewatchability quality. Um, And I think this movie appeals to a lot of different age groups as well. Um, Mm -hmm. Like this could be something that I could watch. I could see my dad really enjoying this movie. Um, people that know a lot about Michael Jordan, like you said, that grew up in the 80s and, and 90s, I think would enjoy this. Even younger people today who maybe don't know the story about Michael Jordan and how this came to be and you know his prominence and stuff like that, that could be interesting as well. So I think this appeals to a lot of different people too. Yes. Okay. On to our scores. You're going first this time. Yes. Okay. I I'm giving this a high high 90 score again this movie too when I I can't really compare this to other films because just based on this movie this movie matched everything I wanted it to match it was great I couldn't really think of anything I didn't like about it it's exactly what I wanted it was well paced well acted there's some beautiful moments in it and it's a great story it's a very American story anyway I'm giving this a 94 percent and it's definitely top two favorite movies I've seen in 2023 so far. Yeah, I'm going to go right there with you. I'm just going to give it a 95. Um, I thought Ooh. it was very good. Yeah, one of my favorite movies of this year so far. We'll see how it does towards the end of the year. We'll see if it has any Oscar contention. I could mm-hmm. see possibly the... I mean, we're still very early, but I could see the the, yeah. the script definitely possibly getting a nomination. 
um, maybe Affleck, depending on what else comes out this year, and maybe Viola Davis as well. I mean, she's always a contender for Oscars and she whatever she's in, and she's very good in this in a supporting role. So that could definitely be a, a possible nomination for her. I mean, this time last year, we had everything everywhere all at once come out. So, you know, it has good been proven that, that movies can have can have enough steam and stamina to make it to the Academy Awards almost a whole year later. So, mm-hmm. OK, well, that's our thoughts on air. You can follow the show on social media at Podcast Silver on Twitter and Instagram. Search the show on Facebook, Silver Screen Podcast, and then follow us on Letterboxd. We've got our profiles in the description and the show notes. You can click there and follow us and see what else we are watching. And we're going to take a little bit of a break. Um, Katie will be traveling a little bit so we're gonna have a little bit of time off and then we're a little bit unsure what we're gonna do right when we come back um we might do guardians of the galaxy we'll definitely actually we will definitely we'll be definitely guardians do of the yeah. galaxy it's just don't if we're worry gonna do something everyone. before that or not we're not 100 percent sure yet so yes there are some good movies coming out but there's not like any blockbusters um so we're we're gonna see how some things do in theaters and stuff and we'll mm-hmm. see. But I appreciate you all being patient for me to be able to go on a vacation. And when we return, we will have Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 for you. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.